0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you, from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Gospel lesson, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And for your focus and attention, I will read verses 19 through 21 at this time. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The servants who received the five talents, excuse me, the servant who received the five talents came and brought five more talents. He said, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. These are the words of our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Christ Jesus dear fellow redeemed. When I was about nine, or excuse me, 10 or 11, my parents gave my brother and me an air rifle for Christmas. We were pretty excited about that gift, and I would say we were even surprised, maybe even shocked, that mom and dad gave us a gun. You could imagine that there were some pretty strict rules that came along with that gun. Don't point the gun at anyone. Don't shoot animals, especially the farm animals. Shoot at targets and shoot into a hill. Those rules that came along with that gun were good. They enabled my brother and I at least have a framework with which to use that gift in a good way, in a godly way. We know that guns, when misused, can have serious consequences, so they can be used in a wicked and evil way. That's not why my parents gave it to us. They gave it to us to use it in a good way. God, through the parable before us today, would have us consider the gifts that God has given us and how we are using them. Gracious gifts for godly use. To really understand this parable, we must understand everything that's packed into the first verse of the text. This is what Jesus said. You see, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. The EHV is translated, a Greek word, servants, which really means slave. And most English translations translate it servant, servant, and i think it's because of our negative reaction towards the word slave so to grasp this parable we really need to understand our slavery first of all our, our slavery to sin jesus said in john chapter 8 verse 34 everyone that continues to sin is a slave to sin. How does that passage line up with you? How good are you at stopping yourself from sinning? How long after you resolve in your mind, I'm never going to do that again. How long does it take until you've done it again? we can do a pretty good job on the outside governing our outward behavior, but what about our heart? What about the thoughts of our mind and the desires of our heart? How good are you at controlling those? I think it's our common experience that we struggle to live a life free of sin. We continue to sin day after day. And the reason is, we're slaves to sin. You may not like the term, you may not like what it means, but is it true? So we are slaves, slaves to sin. And that slavery earns us death. The wages of sin is death. So our slavery to sin destines us to eternal separation from God, eternity in hell. That's what our deeds deserve. That's the life that our slavery to sin is going to cause us to earn. But God has done something remarkable. He has bought us to be his very own. This too goes along with that image of slavery. Slaves were bought and sold at the market. You have been bought by God. God has purchased you to be his slave. And there are so many Bible verses that speak of this purchase by God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20, St. Paul wrote, "You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. You are not your own, you were bought at a price." In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 Paul wrote, "In him we also have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in keeping with the riches of his grace." That word redemption means to be bought back. Jesus has redeemed you by his blood. He purchased you to be a member of his household, to be his slave with his own blood, so that through that blood, you now have the forgiveness of sins and receive God's grace. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 20, it says, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross, God has reconciled us. He's restored His relationship with us through the blood of Jesus on the cross. So God has purchased you to be His very own with the blood of His Son, Jesus. Now, lest you think this is just New Testament a New Testament way of speaking. Listen what God said, or to what God said in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. He said, now, but this is what the Lord says, the Lord who created you, O Jacob, the Lord who formed you, O Israel, do not be afraid, because I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are So God has rescued you from your slavery to sin and bought you so that you could be a part of his household. He has made you his slave, or if you would prefer, servant. But is there really anything so terrible about being Jesus slave wouldn't you want a master who would care and lo- care for and love you isn't that exactly the type of master that Jesus is he poured out his blood he gave his life in payment for your sins so that you could be his very own. Jesus, your master, loves you, forgives you, and wants you to be in his household here in time and hereafter in eternity. He has graciously given you the gift of salvation. He has graciously made you his slave why would jesus want you what purpose does he have in paying such a high price so that you a slave to sin can be his very own well in john chapter 10 verse 10 jesus said i have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants you to have life and have it to the full. In our text, notice what the master said to the faithful servants. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Enter. Your master's joy. Jesus has made you a slave of his household so that you can enjoy all the benefits of his household so that you can have joy. Now certainly in the parable, Jesus is pointing to the pinnacle of that joy when the Christian enters heaven. But even here in time, Jesus wants us to have joy. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to know that he loves us, forgives us, and works all things for our good. There are blessings that he wants us to have right now. So he was willing to die so that you could share in his joy. But there's another important reason why Jesus has done this, why he was willing to pay for you to be in his household. And maybe this speaks more closely to our parable. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, it says, He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, And to purify for himself a people who are his own chosen people eager to do good works at another place Paul wrote that Jesus died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them Jesus has died for us so that we should live for him he has redeemed us brought us back so that we're his own chosen people eager to do good works and this parable really talks about us doing good works using what god has entrusted to us those gracious gifts For godly use. So Jesus has made you, by grace, a member of his household, and entrusted you with talents. When Jesus spoke this parable, a talent was a monetary term. It was 6,000 drachma. A drachma was... About the equivalent of a day's labor. So if you do the math, it's estimated that's around 20 years of labor. So the servant that received one talent received the equivalent of 20 years of labor. It's interesting that we don't use the word talent that way today. We don't use it as a monetary term. In fact, when we look at our stewardship of what God has entrusted to us, we'll say our time, our talents, not money, and our treasure. Now, to use the word talent that way isn't inappropriate because the image of the talent in the parable is Everything with which God has entrusted us. Everything that God has given us as we live out our earthly lives in service to Him. So that certainly includes our time, our abilities, and our money. It would also include God's Word. God has given us that gracious gift of His Word so that we can be strengthened in our faith and guided in the way that we serve Him. So this parable is really about everything that God has given us and how we are to use it. This parable, though, is really a stern warning If you think your spending of God's time, your spending of God's money, your use of God's ability and your use of His Word are of little consequence, you're deceiving yourself. And this parable warns you about the severe consequence of not using God's talents the way he intends them to be used. Notice that unfaithful servant was cast out into the darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's hell. Jesus then wants us to be focused on using everything that he's given us in a godly way. So let's look at some of the things. Notice that the unfaithful servant was reprimanded because he buried the talent. He didn't go and blow it on wild living. He put it in a hole in the ground. He didn't use it. That was the problem. God had given it to him, or you should say, the master had given it to him to be put to work and he went and buried it in a hole. For some Christians, their Bible sits on the bookshelf gathering dust. And their devotion books are right there next to it. That's taking God's Word, burying it in a hole. It's not the misuse It's the lack of use. God hasn't given you His Word so it can decorate your bookshelf. He's given it to you so that you would put it to work, that you would read it and grow in your faith, grow in the understanding of all that God has done for you, that you would be guided by the words on that page in how you use everything that God has given you. So don't take God's word and put it in a hole in the ground. Read it. Take it to heart and inwardly digest it. When it comes to our stewardship of everything that God has given us, I think in our culture we are facing one rare commodity it's not money, we live such affluent lifestyles, money is not the problem, I would suggest to you that time is, I know that there are Christians that are more than willing to whip out their checkbook and write out a check, and that's good, don't get me wrong, But time is such a precious commodity for us. It's so precious that we carry around our calendars on our cell phones so that we can jam the last little thing into our schedule. And yet, are we using God's gift of time for godly use? Peace. Our congregation needs people to serve, to give time, to carry out the work that the Master has called us to do. Writing out a check doesn't always get it done, someone has to do the work. And if you think that responsi- responsibility falls to someone else, you're gravely mistaken. If you are a believer in Christ, you are His slave. And therefore, Jesus expects you to give of your time for His kingdom. That's not someone else's responsibility. That's your responsibility. Don't take your time and bury it in the hole in a, gra- uh, in a hole in the ground. Use it for godly use. Serving Christ and your fellow believers, serving your neighbor and all those in need. Time is precious. And your master asks you to serve him through it. Jesus does that. Because that's exactly how he spent his time. Jesus lived for about 33 years, our best guess. He spent every second of those 33 years serving you. He was carrying the burden of God's law in your place, living a perfect life for you so that you would have righteousness before God in heaven. And Jesus succeeded. He lived a perfect life and he earned a righteousness for you so that you can enter God's household. And Jesus poured out his blood On Calvary's cross, he poured out everything he had for you. Because he loves you. Because he wants you to be part of his household. He wants you to be with him in heaven. So Jesus has loved you so that you would in turn love him and be his slave. Serve him with all with which he has entrusted you. So may God grant us his spirit so that when the master comes, he will say to you, well done good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Enter the joy of your master. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding Guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.